Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night, and it is February the 22nd, 2019. And as always, uh, it's a privilege to join you, and I'm so glad you're joining me. It's time to play catch-up. Those of you who are familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former INS. And ever since the terrorist attacks of 9-11, I've really been a man on a mission trying to wake up as many of our fellow Americans about the true significance of America's borders and America's immigration laws. Unfortunately, there are too many dishonest people out there who have found a way to monetize exploitation of foreign workers, the importation of huge numbers of foreign nationals, creating clientele for immigration lawyers, uh, opportunities for businesses to exploit them. Cities love to have their cities jammed with people. They buy things, they spend money on sales tax. If they drive cars and they get tickets or they have to pay tolls, everyone's happy. Sales tax on gasoline, that's all they can think about. It's all about the money with little thought as to what the real term, uh, long-term implications are. And then, of course, there are some politicians who are really very crafty because they have seen in the massive flood of foreign nationals into the country, including illegal aliens, opportunities to legalize these folks at some point so they can vote. And generally, they're looking to get them to vote for the Democratic Party. The Republicans, of course, don't want that to happen, but they want the cheap, exploitable labor. And they all want the campaign contributions being paid to them by a whole laundry list of organizations, special interest groups, and industries that want to flood America with cheap, exploitable labor or otherwise profit from what's going on. So the Republicans are motivated by greed and selfishness, the Democrats by the same. And they add to that the idea that if we can destroy the wages of American workers, this is a game of supply and demand, folks. And if you bring in people from the third world, you know that they're willing to accept third world wages and working conditions. If you can drive enough Americans into near poverty, then you're also driving them into the voting booth to vote for the party that promises to help subsidize them. And I can tell you, it's not the Republicans, it's the Democrats. So by being greedy, the the Republican Party is kind of sawing off a branch on a tree, but they're sitting on the wrong side of the branch and just don't realize it. Both parties got us into this mess, and the Democrats stand to gain more than anybody because they are in a quest for unfettered political clout, power, permanent control over the government. And look how many cities have swung in that direction as more and more people understand that they can't afford where they live, major economic issues. Um, And this is something that the Democrats are easily able to exploit. In fact, just two days ago, I have to tell you before I go on, There was a commercial that I saw on TV that I found truly, truly disturbing. It's hard to believe that I'm still living in America. We're becoming a third world country, and it's happening right under our noses, and no one seems to be paying attention. First of all, and I think I've spoken about it before, there is a website um, called um, Turo, T-U-R-O. Look it up. They offer an app, an application so that you can rent your neighbor's car. Who ever heard of renting a stranger's car? How desperate do you have to be to rent out your family car to a complete stranger? So there's a website that helps you to make that connection so you can rent your neighbor's car. God help us. That wasn't bad enough. Two or three days ago, my wife and I were watching TV, and we were flabbergasted because there is a commercial on for a website that will sell you listen carefully, used clothing, used clothing. This is America. 
This is America. The American dream used to be a small house with a little strip of grass and a two-car garage with two cars in the driveway. Today, apparently Americans are so poverty-stricken that they are looking to rent their car to a stranger. You know, the car is an extension of our house. Think about that. How desperate do you have to be that somebody you've never met is going to drive off, leave you with no car, and God knows what they will do with your car? Nobody would want to ever do this. Uh, You know, I, I don't like lending my car to close friends, personal, you know, it's really personal property. And that is how desperate so many people have become. And guess what? There's been studies done that now show the new bubble is how is, is car loans. More and more people have gotten into um, arrears on their car loans. I, I don't remember if it was 60 days or 90 days, but people aren't making car payments. I don't care what the unemployment rates are. I really don't. Those rates don't tell us much because there are millions of people who have fallen off the radar scope. These are the people who've been long-term unemployed. They've given up looking for jobs. They've run out of unemployment. Homelessness is going up. We're seeing the price of real estate going up because more people are seeking the, the standing number of apartments. Supply and demand. Homelessness is going up. Yes, more jobs have been created under Donald Trump. I, I absolutely agree, and I think he's done some very good things. But the problem is, the mess that has been created for decades, the banking disaster of 2008, brought to you by by Alan Greenspan, the dirt bank, who then turns around at a hearing 10 years ago and says, well, the, sol- the solution to wage inequality is to destroy the wage structure of high-tech American workers. So if we get rid of the wage premium they're making, then you help the issue of wage equality. Sure thing. So the idea, according to Alan, is if we can get rid of the middle class, the working poor will have nobody to look up to because everybody will be working poor if they're working at all. This is a betrayal of everything America stands for. The American dream was linked inextricably to a mobile, growing middle class. Today, the middle class is contracting. And ironically, the term dream, as in the American dream, the DREAM Act, employs the word alien, the word we're never supposed to talk about normally. So really what we're now being told is that the American dream no longer applies to Americans. Where does this make sense to anybody? We have narcotics flowing across our borders. We have gangs coming into the United States in unprecedented numbers. We have the threat of terrorism. There have been hearings about Hezbollah operating in Latin America. And when the president says we're going to secure the border, he's accused of falsifying the crisis. There's no crisis here. He's making it up. Maduro of Venezuela, by the way, if you haven't heard, is also claiming that there's no crisis in Venezuela, even as millions of Venezuelans flee to other countries around Latin America, particularly Colombia. And when an offer was made to bring supplies to Venezuela, he sealed the border. You need to know that Maduro is working closely with Iran. For over a decade, Iranian shock troops, Quds forces, have been landing directly in Venezuela. I've been writing about all this for Front Page magazine, and you need to read it. Not because I'm the only person saying it. If you look at my articles, I quote the authorities on each particular area because I could say anything I want. That wouldn't be truthful, it wouldn't be honest, and it certainly wouldn't be the way I do business. Anything that I tell you, I will back it up with clear evidence provided in congressional hearings or other reliable sources of information. We're under attack from so many directions, and it begins with our borders and ends with our borders. We've brought in Chinese engineering students who are now building the Chinese military, and the Chinese military is threatening America and Americans. China has never worked more closely in decades with Russia than they are now. They hack our computers. They've been manipulating currency. Up until now, no president confronted China. President Trump is, and all that we're hearing coming out of Wall Street is, oh my gosh, there's a trade crisis. What is the president doing? This could cause profits to fall. 
if China gets its way, folks, in a couple of short decades, China will become the preeminent power in the world, leaving us in the dust. China, make no mistake about it, is a dictatorship. The president of China just declared himself president for as long as he wants to hold the position. It is a communist country. And increasingly, China is using technology that George Orwell could not have conceived of in 1984 because China has been using facial recognition technology so that people who jaywalk are being identified and suffering the consequences of perhaps being told you can't get on buses anymore. Your children are not going to be allowed to go to school because you're a bad citizen. You're jaywalking. Or maybe they went to some websites they weren't supposed to visit when they went on their computer. And guess who's helping China track their own students? It's Google. But Google wouldn't help the American military on moral grounds, but they have no problem helping a dictatorship. The contradictions, the hypocrisy, the lunacy that we are experiencing in the United States is wide-ranging, and it's hammering us from a variety of directions. But it starts with the fact that for far too long, Americans have been lazy and dumb and not willing to do their homework. They've been listening to the false arguments, whether it's about climate change, whether it's about immigration. No one's asking questions. I don't normally get into climate change, but I do want to make a couple of quick points because this comes back to the need to ask questions. <clears throat> if you know anything about science, and I started out as an engineering student a long time ago. Two of my sons are now engineers. I'm extremely proud of my kids. The Earth has undergone numerous ice ages and then thawed out even before human beings appeared on the planet. So a reasonable question is, how did the earth get cold and then warm again? Why is there a cycle? And are we perhaps just simply in the middle of another cycle? And, you know, scientists have shown, and these are reputable folks, go online, do your research, that the oceans are filled with carbon dioxide. But when water gets warm, it can't hold on to gas as well as it does when it's cold. Carbon dioxide gets released. So, yes, there's a relationship between carbon dioxide levels and temperature, but Al Gore and company, according to some scientists, have gotten it backwards. <clears throat> according to them, the Earth gets warm because of the sun and other factors, because the sun is a variable star. It doesn't always crank out the same amount of energy. So if the sun puts out more energy and the Earth gets warm, ultimately, and it takes centuries, the oceans get warm. And when the oceans warm, they release carbon dioxide, and the release of carbon dioxide parallels the increase in temperature. But it's the temperature driving carbon dioxide, not the other way around, according to quite a few well-educated, highly credentialed scientists. Who's right? Who's wrong? My gut goes with those who say that this is a natural process. But the point isn't that. The point is that nobody questions anything especially when some guy gets on TV in a white lab coat. Everyone says, oh, my God, this is science. This is too difficult. We can't figure this out. He must be right. He has a Ph.D. after all. I want you to think about something. When there are trials, very often expert witnesses testify for both sides of the trial, for the defense or the prosecution, for the plaintiff or the, 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 the litigant. <clears throat> so when you look at it that way, what you're really looking at um, is the fact that people with degrees can disagree. So everything has to start with we the people questioning everything we're told. I remember when I went to college, there were bumper stickers all over the place that said, question authority. Great advice. Question authority. Maybe at the end of the day, if you ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers and realize that what you've been told is completely accurate. But there's a danger when you blindly follow anything you're told and not question it. Frankly, that's how the Holocaust was created. People were sold a bunch of lies, and they were willing to believe it. And the consequence was the Second World War and the Holocaust and the death of tens of millions of innocent people. It is dangerous to, to, to follow without questioning. <clears throat> I wasn't a huge Ronald Reagan fan, but I loved when he spoke about the Russians and said, trust but verify. Trust but verify. 
I'll take your words for it, but only after I can do my homework and decide if you're really telling me something that's truthful and accurate. Today, it seems as though we don't do that. I don't know if you're aware of it. They should probably write about it. But Lara Logan, the attractive young lady who had been a correspondent over 60 Minutes, according to Fox News and Breitbart and elsewhere, was recently fired. I mean, within the last week or two, because during a radio interview, apparently, she had said that the media leans so far to the left that when you watch the news here in the United States or read the newspapers, it's hard to imagine that anything you're being told is wrong because everyone is saying the same things. But she said, if you go to the other side, you go to Breitbart or other such sources of information, you suddenly find out that, hey, wait a minute, there is a different viewpoint. There is contradiction here. But we tend not to see it. And it's hard to find the other side. That's why I do this program, to get you to think about asking the questions, to show you what questions you need to ask and get answered, particularly where immigration is concerned, because that's my specific area of expertise. But you need to question. You need to question everything you're told, because there are so many people making so much money off of peddling propaganda. And what we've been told is uh, political correctness is really Orwellian newspeak, control language, control the thoughts. It's just that simple. We think with words. If we can eliminate words, you eliminate the thoughts. If you control the language, you control the discussion, you control the way people perceive our issues. That was why it was brilliant for our enemies, like Jimmy Carter, <clears throat> and he is an enemy, because if you believe that it's rational and appropriate to flood America with foreign nationals, even where it undermines the livelihood and the lives of Americans, Goodness, I I don't know how much worse it gets, and this guy was our president. And we've had a succession of presidents from both parties since then do the same exact thing, exploit immigration over greed and and, and the desire for power, political power. That's not what America was built on. We should be doing better. But the saddest thing, and I do plan to write about this maybe for my next article, and I want you to think about it, is that we as Americans are at war with each other. Pardon me. We've become a factionalized country. You either lean this way or you lean that way. You're a Democrat or you're a Republican. I have no use for the leadership of either party. I'll be real blunt with you. I will be real blunt. Paul Ryan made sure that Donald Trump was never able to build a wall on his watch. Why? We had the, the president had control of both the House and Senate, and he couldn't get the wall built. And now there's a shock that the Democrats are in control and they're saying, oh, this is a fake crisis. Well, if you go to my latest article, the front page magazine, how Democrats spawned the border crisis, sacrificing national security on the altar of the open borders policies, you'll see how real this crisis is. But it didn't have to come to this. If the Republicans had gone along with the president and gave him the funding to build the wall, and by the way, the money would, would be replaced in about a year or two. If we could stop the flow of drugs and the flow of a significant number of the foreign workers who work illegally in the United States and the others who come and take care of the, would take advantage of the social welfare system. <clears throat> We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. And the president wants what, under $6 billion to build the section of wall he's looking to put up now? If you could put a reasonable-sized dent in the flow of illegal alien workers and the flow of drugs into America, the wall pays for itself. The way insulation reduces the heating costs of your house so that the insulation pays for itself in short order. So the Republicans had the opportunity, and they did nothing. That wasn't an accident. We need more ICE agents. You're not going to get them. Why? Because while... Everyone says those Democrats are crazy. They want to disband ICE. How many ICE agents do we have? 6,000 for the country. Half of them are doing customs work or, or anything but immigration. 3,000 ICE agents. Do we really have ICE? No, we don't. Absolutely. It's a joke. It's a skeleton crew at best. <clears throat> Let's put this in perspective. TSA is 45 thousand people and they are hiring more people even as we speak 
The NYPD has about 36 to 37,000 police officers just for New York City. The military has well over a million men and women, the armed forces of the United States. And up close and in person to protect American Americans against terrorists, criminals, uh, aliens who um, do harm to us. And the, the laws, by the way, have nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. When you consider how many people are on all these other security positions, the military, the FBI, Border Patrol, ICE agents, you got about 3,000 in terms of people actually enforcing the immigration laws on a day-to-day basis, three or 4,000. Really? For a country of 330 million people, a country that probably has 30 or 40 million illegal aliens, and you have 3,000 ICE agents dedicated to enforcing immigration law, and you think we have immigration law enforcement? This isn't an accident. <clears throat> what this is is evidence, evidence of failures by design. I wrote about it for the social contract, my latest article for them, Sanctuary Country Immigration Failures by Design. So when we get angry with our neighbors and the Democrats insult the Republicans and the Republicans insulted, we're playing the game that the elite want us to play, that the people at the top of the food chain want us to play. Because if we sat down with each other and we got past all this strident yelling, we would quickly realize that we are all on the same page. Seriously. The Democratic Party used to be the strongest party for border security because they understood that if you flood America with cheap foreign labor, you're destroying jobs and wages for American workers. The Democratic Party used to be the party of working Americans. I'm a registered Democrat because going back to the day I first voted, that was who the Democrats were. That was the party of Harry Truman and John F. Kennedy. That's who the Democrats were. Look at what they've morphed into. A bunch of wackaloon seditionists, anarchists, um, people that have lost their minds. But really, we've lost our minds for voting for these people. I just wrote a piece for Front Page Magazine. It's not published yet. But if you've been following the, the antics of AOC, as they call Alexandria, I'll just call her Alexandria. I'm not impressed with members of Congress. They're our employees. They're our employees. And most of them have been insubordinate for far too long, frankly, and should be sent packing. But Alexandria comes out and says, well, this whole thing with Amazon in New York City, if you've been following it, Amazon was supposed to get roughly a $3 billion tax abatement. And then when this deal was cut in, in some dark room somewhere, and it came out into the open, and there was a lot of dissension, Amazon said, oh, We don't like your attitude. We're leaving. Governor Cuomo threw a temper tantrum. He threw an S-fit like you wouldn't believe. Look at what they've done. These jobs, they took the jobs. How about the jobs that are being taken away from Americans because New York is a sanctuary state? We don't talk about that. Every politician says, I'm going to create the jobs. Hey, how about liberating jobs? It's hard to create jobs. You have to come up with an idea. You have to get people to fund it. You have to build a facility. Then you get to hire people. If we had effective immigration law enforcement, as you arrest illegal aliens in a factory or some other workplace environment, as they're going out the back door, lawful immigrants and U.S. citizens could be coming in through the front door taking those jobs. I know. I saw it as an agent. It was routine. You'd raid a factory. And within a day, there was a line of applicants looking to take the jobs. Liberate the jobs through the enforcement of immigration laws. But what do we hear from the Democrats? Oh, my God, they're deporting people, and they don't even have criminal histories. But if they were working, they stole a job from an American or a lawful immigrant. No one says that. You're not going to hear that in the media. They don't want anyone to think about that. If you went around and said immigrants are lazy, stupid, and uneducated, my God, they would riot outside your house and bang drums and keep you awake into the, into the night until sunrise. They'd have at you. But how many times, think about it, do politicians and so-called pundits talk about how lazy and stupid Americans are, and that's why we need to bring in foreign workers. Because Americans are ignorant and lazy 
and wimps and uneducated and unqualified. And everybody applauds. Substitute the word American with the word immigrant and say it and see how quickly the crowd turns on you. It's okay to be a self-hating American, but don't you dare say a bad word about people who come to this country illegally as trespassers, as interlopers. And let me tell you, when I used to raid factories or farms or restaurants and arrested illegal aliens, most of them weren't evil people. Most of them were desperate people. I don't have the animosity for the people who come to work illegally that so many people do. I really don't. They're desperate. The problem is we can't solve world hunger by bringing every poor person to the United States any more than if you're on a lifeboat, you can't take on the entire ship's um, guest list in one lifeboat without capsizing the lifeboat. America is being capsized. People thrashing about in the water trying to get in your boat aren't evil. They're desperate. People who come to America might be desperate, but the better solution would be for their countries to provide them with opportunities so they don't have to leave their country in the first place. By using America as a safety valve, all we're doing is supporting corrupt regimes. Mexico is a great example. Mexico is a highly um, wealthy country. It's a very wealthy country. Its economy, last time I checked, came in number 15 in the world. That's pretty good. Out of about 200 countries to be number 15, wow. Wow. And yet we have such poverty in Mexico, and people are coming here. Why? Because there's an oligarchy that controls everything. And today our politicians want to turn America into what Mexico is, an oligarchy where a couple of people, relatively speaking, control the vast amount of the wealth. In an ideal world, Mexico should be becoming more like the way America used to be because America is headed down that path, down that path, flooding America with cheap labor, lowers wages, exports tens of billions of dollars a year, overflows our school with kids who can't speak, read, or write English. So it means that money that should go to help kids with learning disabilities or build those new labs or help our kids get a leg up on the world, that money is being spent on English as a second language. But who do you blame? Do you blame desperate people or do you blame the politicians of your country that have laid out the welcome mat that's destroying what America is. And this isn't based on race. This is based on economics. And if you want to talk about the way that polls are done, when you hear this nonsense about Latino voters and black voters and Jewish voters and Christian voters, that is divisive. That is bigotry in action. That's a disgusting form of profiling. If you think that Latino voters are different from all other voters because they're Latino, By definition, you're a racist. You're also a pretty big fool. All Americans, and I don't care if you lean left, right, or center, as long as you're rational, want the military to keep our enemies as far from our shores as possible. Rational American citizens want law enforcement to keep our streets as safe as possible. And rational Americans want our schools to educate our kids so that any American child, irrespective of what I call superficial factors, race, religion, ethnicity, Agenda. Any American willing to study hard, work hard, and benefit from a little bit of good luck can write the next great American success story. So why are we hearing this nonsense about the Latino voter who wants open borders? No, they don't. No more so than any other American. But when you hear this nonsense, and when we differentiate by race, folks, it's racism. Now, there is a legitimate way to do demographics. If somebody is retired, like me, my concerns are very different from my children who are first starting out. When you get out of college, what you're concerned about is very different from what the retired folks are concerned about. If you live in an an agricultural community, your concerns are going to be very different from what the concerns are of those who live in cities. If you live in Alaska, Your concerns are going to be, I think, at least a little bit different from those people who live in Hawaii. Okay? Understand. Understand. If you want to do those kinds of studies and polls, that would make sense. People with education versus people who dropped out of of high school. 
Yes, the guy with the PhD is concerned about H-1B visas. I guarantee you that the high school dropout doesn't care about who's going to work at a marathon under an H-1B visa. The guy with the PhD or the MBA certainly will be concerned. So if you want to do polling and studies based on economics, based on where the people live, geography, based on how old they are, that makes sense. But what has happened in America over the past few decades is all the polling that goes on and this fake breakdown by black, Latino, Asian, white, and all this nonsense. This is false. It's bogus. It's divisive. And it puts us at odds with each other. And then when I write articles for Front Page Magazine, I'll sometimes see the comments. The Democrats, you know, as in the word crap, Democrats, whatever. Well, they'll use other terms if the person's a conservative. Folks, most of your neighbors who are Democrats, I'm not talking about the political Democrat. Those people are off the charts, okay? I have no use for them at all. But your neighbor who says, I'm a Democrat, and I'm one of them, except that I I don't vote for the Democrats because the Democrats aren't anymore. But but what kind of winners do you have on the Republican Party? Let's be blunt. You see any winners there, folks? I don't. You know, it's the, (laughs) you, you go into the voting booth, the choice is cancer or a heart attack, you know? That's the choice we get, isn't it, if we're honest? But to be fighting and insulting your neighbor who's being compassionate, who has been drinking the Kool-Aid because the left media is guilty of not educating people. But by the way, if you're a conservative, I'm sure you watch Fox. I'm sure you probably watch One American News or NRA TV, uh, I-24. I tend to be on that pro- these programs also. And, and, and those are good, good networks. I'm on them frequently. Newsmax, TV, love to do Newsmax also. But how many of you that watch those programs watch CNN or MSNBC? You should. You should because you need to know what your neighbors are watching. And you need to do as Lara Logan said, and she happens to be right. You're a fool if you don't watch what's happening on both sides. Watch and read the conservative news as well as the liberal, as well as the centrist. We should always be getting our news from multiple sources to try to factor out, cancel out the bias of the reporters and the news organizations. So when you have Americans insulting each other, fighting with each other because of their political orientation, guess who makes out on that deal? I'll tell you who makes out. It's the politicians from both parties. Take a deep breath and understand that the neighbor who says, I feel bad for the children, isn't a crazy person and isn't evil and isn't any of the things that that I keep reading about. Democrat voters, as compared with Democrat politicians, aren't worried about re-election. They aren't worried about campaign contributions. They grew up a certain way with a certain belief system that tells them that the best way to be charitable is to open our doors to the world's poor. It's very naive. It's kind of like the beauty queen. She's 19 years old, and they ask her what her platform is. A 19-year-old has a political platform. She might have platform shoes. I don't think she has a real meaningful platform, but they almost always say, I want to end world hunger. I want to end world poverty. I want to end epidemics. I I want to end world illiteracy. Oh, that's wonderful. How do you plan to do it? Who knows? But it sounds good, and everybody claps, and everyone's happy. You have people that really believe that the solution to world poverty is to bring the whole world to the United States. Never mind the logistics. Never mind that every person who comes to America creates a footprint on the environment. And what do I mean by a footprint on the environment? You know, you look at, a, at acres of open land, you say, well, why can't we bring a couple thousand people and, and put them here? Okay, but each person needs food. Each person needs water. Each person needs electricity. So, That one person, and I don't know what the the ratio is, how many acres you need to grow the food to feed one person for a year, but I guarantee you it's sizable. So if you bring in a couple of million people, it's not just a couple of million people. It's educating their children. It's the hospitals that have to care for them. 
It's the impact it has on infrastructure, whether it's buses or roads or trains or planes. And it's the ability to feed them and provide them with water and electricity. So each person has an impact that ripples through our country, through our society, economically, food-wise, energy-wise, environmental-wise, pollution, schools. It goes on and on and on. Nobody thinks about it. No one looks and says, okay, if we bring in so many people, how much more food do we have to grow? How much more fertilizer are we going to use? How much more will that negatively impact the environment? How much will that create inflationary pressure? Because if you add more motorists and more cars who need to buy more gasoline, supply and demand kicks in, and the price of gasoline goes up for everybody as you add more people to the system who need to purchase gasoline. Does anybody ever talk about that? Be honest. Have you ever even thought about that? Bring in some people. How much land do we have to dedicate to, to, serving, to use to serve them food and water and so forth? So all of this has an impact. The Democrats were big to talk about sustainability. We hear it all the time, sustainability. What does that even mean besides a word? The ability for America to take care of the people who live within its borders. You can wind up inviting too many people to a party at your house if your house isn't big enough where you weren't able to buy enough pizza pies. So we, we bring it down to a manageable comparison. When you talk about millions of people, most people glaze over. How do I deal with that? If you talk about billions of dollars, how many people can relate to the notion of a billion dollars so their eyes glaze over? But if you bring it down to something they can understand and say, hey, if you're going to invite 30 people to your house, is your house big enough? And how many pizzas are you going to need? How many sodas do you need to buy? Suddenly people start doing the math. And they go, gee whiz, I don't think we can, we can have 30 people. Maybe, maybe 20 we can deal with, but not 30. On a bigger scale, much bigger scale, folks, America is no different. We are a country, as we have certainly found out, of limited, finite resources. We can handle so many students. Our hospitals can care for so many people. Our trains can deal with so many commuters, the roads with so many cars, and then you start to overflow and you have chaos. Nobody ever talks about any of these issues because too many people are eager to get as many people into the United States to supplant the American worker, to displace Americans, to drive down wages, to make it clear to people who work in America nothing special about you. I can pick up the phone and I can bring in a hundred people that'll take your job for less money than you're, than we're paying you. And how do we do that? Open borders, open borders, but nobody talks about it in those terms. And that frankly is the conversation that we need to have with our neighbors. We really and truly need to engage our neighbors in meaningful conversations When people say to you, there's no crisis on the border, and this is just about Trump, I'm going to make a suggestion. There's a lot of people who really don't like Donald Trump. And, you know, he's he's brash. Uh, If you're not a New Yorker, he's hard to understand. If you are a New Yorker, it's easier to understand him. And I came from a background of tradesmen. My pop was a construction worker, and Trump sounds like the construction workers I grew up around. So I, I get it. But I know there's a lot of people who don't like Donald Trump. And every time he gets up there and makes the debate about himself, which I think is disappointing, I'd like to believe that the president of the United States wasn't as insecure as he acts. Has to keep saying, I did it, I, 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 I. The man is grammatically challenged, you know. He only conjugates verbs in the first person singular. So he's not as well-liked as I wish he was. But I want you to think about a comparison because we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of the moonshot. The 50th anniversary of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landing on the moon while astronaut Mike Collins remained in orbit around the moon piloting the command module of the, of the Apollo program. John F. Kennedy set America on that course. John F. Kennedy, and I remember it when I was in school, I was going to be an aerospace engineer, so I really paid attention to this stuff. Growing up, I never thought athletes were heroes. My favorite oxymoron is heroic play. How the hell can you be a hero when you're playing? 
My heroes were Alan Shepard and Gus Grissom and Scott Crossfield, the first man to fly the X-15 and help design it. Chuck Yeager, who broke the sound barrier, first man, 1947, October. Those were my heroes growing up. So when John F. Kennedy stood there and said the words, I believe this nation should commit itself before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth, I will never forget those stirring words. And I remember back then, America was the can-do country. Today, we've become the can't-do country with a BS explanation for why we can't do it. We can't secure the border. We can't arrest all those people. We're unable to do that. We're a bunch of incompetent nitwits, you see. Back then, America not only dreamed big, but did big. Can-do was as much the motto of the United States as e pluribus unum. Can-do. Give us a challenge and we'll do it. I remember the songs they sang about World War I. It won't be over till we're over, over there. You know, if the Americans came there, we were going to take care of business because that's who we are. Today, we can't take care of ourselves, let alone take care of business. We've turned into a nation of snowflakes being led by a bunch of liars and thieves. That's how I see America today, unfortunately. And it's our fault. It's our fault because we have voted people into power and have let them get away with all kinds of nonsense. And they are our employees. They're insubordinate. They face no, no consequences for their insubordination. If you or I are insubordinate on the jobs that we've had, we'd find ourselves on the unemployment line in, in, in quick order. Politicians who are insubordinate need to be fired. They need to be sent packing. But to go back to the point that I was making, John F. Kennedy said we're going to the moon. And it was never referred to as the Kennedy moonshot or the Kennedy space operation or whatever. It was the American space program. We need to stop talking about the wall as Trump's wall. When you talk about Trump's wall and people don't like Donald Trump, if you want to stick a thumb in Donald Trump's eye, deny him the funds for quote unquote his wall. National security isn't about Donald Trump folks. It's about America. It's about Americans. It's about you, it's about me, it's about our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, our brothers, our sisters, our next-door neighbors. That's who Americans are. The wall that we need on the border isn't Trump's wall. It's America's wall because America is suffering. 63,000-plus people died of opiate overdoses, I believe it was 2017. I talked about that in my latest article for Front Page. I hope after you listen to this program, You'll go check out the article and maybe post it on Facebook, the links to it, or whatever social media you use. I need you to be part of my bucket brigade of truth, because the mainstream media won't tell the truth. Truth is a commodity that's gone, gone, because the truth would prevent a lot of greedy people from being wealthier at our expense, at the expense of American lives and American livelihoods. So let's stop this nonsense about Trump's wall. This isn't Trump's wall. This is a wall to protect America. The White House doesn't have Trump's name on it. It's the White House. It belongs to we the people. It's our house, and we loan it out to the president for four years at a clip. You know, it's like the Red Roof Inn, okay? It's not Donald Trump's house. He has houses all over the world, but his house is the house he lives in at our invitation, and it's called the White House. We have got to separate the programs from the people. We've got to understand that the government doesn't exist for the politicians. It exists for us and our families and our children and our grandchildren. That's what this government exists for. That's what this country exists for. The politicians are treating this country as though it was their personal property. I wrote an article quite some time ago. I called it the fencing of America. And I knew that the word fence would, you know, get people thinking about the border. In fact, back in 2006, there were hearings about building a border fence. And by the way, the law passed. But back then when I went on MSNBC and other programs, and yes, I did hundreds of MSNBC appearances. It was different back then. After 9-11, I was averaging 15 to 20 television interviews every month on MSNBC, Fox, CNN, ABC. Everybody wanted to talk about the issue. I even did an appearance on, on the Today Show. 
But now the major networks, they're missing in action. They don't want anybody on the air who has experience with immigration. No, no, no. If you talk about immigration, they want to have radio talk show hosts and political pollsters come in to talk about it. If it's a story about the military, then they'll bring in retired generals and commandos and you name it. If the story is about cancer, they'll bring in doctors and surgeons and oncologists and biochemists. If it's about the space program, boy, there's no shortage of former astronauts. But when they do a show about immigration, you're not going to see INS agents or ICE agents on that program unless it's Fox News or Newsmax, One American News, um, I-24, NRA TV. Then they'll have former agents come on, and I'm happy to do it when they call me. But the mainstream media is trying to keep everybody in the dark. I call it the mushroom treatment. Keep us in the dark and feed us a lot of fertilizer. So we need to understand that the border wall isn't for Donald Trump. It's for us. It's for us to keep us safe, to keep our children and our families safe. So anybody who opposes rational, reasonable measures to keep us safe really are acting not against Donald Trump, but they're acting against us. And when I wrote that article about the fencing of America, I used that term because it has two meanings. The obvious meaning, the fence around America. But there's another meaning, because in law enforcement, a fence is a person who sells stolen property. And when you have politicians cutting up America and selling it, selling highways, for example, to China, Think about that madness. Thank God they don't put them on a, on a boat and send them back to China. But we've done this. We've given property in the United States to foreign governments. Lenin, I believe, was the one who had said that the capitalists will sell you the rope with which we will hang them. We're having a fire sale on rope. And who's selling the rope? The politicians. The only problem is they don't own it. It's our country, damn it. And we're letting them get away with this garbage. I want you to think about AOC talking about corporate welfare. And they started out by talking about that. Corporate welfare, that, that multi-gazillion dollar deal with Amazon. And I happen to agree with her, as I, I wrote in my article, even a broken clock gets it right once every 12 hours. But there's a bigger form of corporate welfare out there, folks. And you know what it is? It's the displacement of dedicated, talented, experienced American workers by foreign workers to drive down wages and destroy America's middle class. That is the most glaring and outrageous form of corporate welfare I could possibly imagine. But of course, you're not going to hear the Democrats talk about that kind of corporate welfare because they are all in. They want it to happen. Because they know if they could make that happen and they can destroy the wage structure of the middle class and make the middle class go away, then it's not just that foreign voters are going to come to America to vote. It's that we're pushing tens of millions of Americans into poverty and they will vote their pockets. And if they think putting the lights on at night in their homes is a luxury, I guarantee you they're going to vote for the party that promises to help them with their financial problems. And that's not the Republican Party, boys and girls. It's the Democratic Party. If you put enough Americans below the poverty line, I guarantee you those Americans will vote for the Democratic candidate. And I truly believe that that's the equation that we're seeing right now. The Democrats have done the math and they said, you know what? If we can destroy the middle class, if we can do what Alan Greenspan had talked about, make American high-tech workers compete with foreign workers to eliminate the wage premium so that we eliminate wage inequality, what you're really saying is all those middle-class voters, even the ones that would normally never vote for the Democrats, will be forced to vote for the Democrats. This is a power grab, plain and simple. Plain and simple. The goal here is to destroy the middle class and push Americans to the left. My dad had an eighth grade education, but he was a tradesman. He was brilliant. He was one of the smartest guys I ever knew. And my pop said to me when I was growing up, he said, Mike, if you want to turn a capitalist into a communist, take away his money. And if you want to turn a a communist into a capitalist, give him a million dollars. 
Well, the middle class is losing its purchasing power. And guess which direction they're being pushed? They're being pushed hard left. And so you've got the Democrats who are the glee club for the destruction of the middle class, for the destruction of the American dream, because what they see is the day when there will be a one-party system in America, the Democratic Party. That's not the way America should operate. It's not the American dream. It's not what the founding fathers had in mind, but it's certainly what the Democrats apparently have in mind today. That's the problem. And if you want to convince people that don't understand government or politics, especially kids in college, because in theory, you can do all sorts of things. You know, garbage in, garbage out is what they used to say in the computer industry. And a lot of kids these days think socialism is okay. And there is a form of socialism that's inevitable, whether it's Medicare, uh, there's forms of socialism. And as artificial intelligence becomes more prevalent and jobs may become more scarce, uh, and again, why are we bringing in more workers as jobs are going away because of that? But if, if you want to convince people that communism is dangerous and wrong, here's an easy way to do it. I've tried it. It seems to work. Why don't you give it a shot the next time you're having a debate? On paper, capitalism is br- I'm sorry, communism is brilliant. To each according to his needs, from each according to his ability. Boy, does that sound cool or what? I don't have to really work that hard. AOC was talking about, if you don't want to work, we'll still take care of you. You see, that's communism. To each according to his needs. What do you need? We'll give it to you. Not as much as you really need. We'll tell you what you need. But they don't tell you that. They whisper it. But it sounds great in theory. Now, here's the problem. My dog is a capitalist. I'm serious. All dogs are capitalists. All horses are. Why? Because how do you train a dog? You give the dog a treat and the dog rolls over. Everyone wants profit motive. Profit motive is capitalism. You work hard, you make more money, you live a better life. So there's two ways to motivate people and two ways to motivate beasts of burden and dogs. The carrot or the stick. The carrot means you work hard, make more money, and live better. The stick, well, we all know what the stick is, you know. Look out. Put people in jail, secret police, you name it, right? The stick. So my question is very simple. Would you rather live under the carrot or the stick? Because in communism, your money isn't going up if you work harder. You're getting a fixed income to each according to the needs, and the government determines what your need is. But they don't tell you that. They whisper that. So there's only one way that you get motivated in a communist society, and it's the stick. And if you don't believe it, look at history. Look at what Joseph Stalin did to kill millions of Russians to control them. Look at how Red China operates. Look at how North Korea operates. Is that the way you want to live, under the stick or under the carrot? I think most people would opt for the carrot, including Bugs Bunny. Goodness gracious. But all joking aside, we are right now in the middle of a crisis. You have the Democratic Party empowered as never before to push America to the left. And you have the Republicans not willing to stand up to them because they're still too greedy. They still want those open borders. They still want that cheap labor. They still want those campaign contributions. And that's why they didn't betray Donald Trump. No, sir. No, ma'am. It wasn't Donald Trump who was betrayed. It was you and me. It was we, the people, who were betrayed. That's the point. What Donald Trump promised to do for America is the reason that Americans voted for him, because it's what we want. And who's blocking him? Both parties. If these politicians truly believed in representative government, they would say, you know, the Americans voted for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump promised them secure borders. So no matter what we do, we have to follow through because we know that's how you win elections. Today, What they're doing is a concerted campaign to convince the American people that it's unreasonable to want sovereign, secure borders. I guarantee you that most of your neighbors who are against the wall are convinced that the wall is designed to seal America off from Mexico. When I was on Fox and Friends First with Heather Childers the other day, it was about, I guess, a week ago, we got into this conversation on the air. 
And I said, you know, the point that's being lost in all of this, Heather, is that the wall wouldn't stop people from entering the United States. It wouldn't. The purpose of the wall is to just to funnel everyone looking to enter the country into a port of entry where they can be vetted and a record of their entry created. That's what the wall is supposed to do. But you have Pelosi running around. This is immoral. This is terrible. This is racist. It's a wall of hate. The wall would not seal America off from Central America or from Mexico. All it would do is funnel all people and all cargo through ports of entry so that we can vet them. It's the equivalent of the way you go through those cattle runs, as they call them, at the airport, so you can go to see the TSA person before you get on an airplane to make sure you don't pose a risk to that plane or the people on the plane. Would you get on an airplane if you saw people sneaking past TSA at the airport? I don't think so. I I sure as hell wouldn't. Why then, I ask you, are we being forced to live among millions of aliens who did just that? They entered surreptitiously. They entered in stealth mode. They didn't enter undocumented. That's Orwellian nonsense. They entered without inspection. When I was an agent, we used to use three letters to describe it. E-W-I. Entry without inspection. Or we would actually say E-W-I. If I made an arrest and my boss walked by and said, what you got? I might say, yeah, I got a guy from El Salvador who's an Iwi. And he knew what I meant. This guy was from El Salvador and he claimed to have entered without inspection. What in the world is wrong with saying that if people want to come to America, they've got to be inspected. We got to make sure that we know who they are, and that we create a record of their entry. If you think that's immoral, you need to get help quickly. So here's where we are. We need as Americans to come together with our neighbors, even the ones we disagree with, maybe especially the ones we disagree with, and engage them in a conversation. And it's got to be cool and calm and fact-based and mutually respectful. Because that's what's lacking. And only we as Americans can turn this around. Only we can sit down with our neighbors and say, hey, Charlie, hey, Mary, let's have a conversation. Let's just get past all the nonsense. Let's forget about the personalities. Let's understand the threats that we face. I hope that you find my articles are helpful if you do have such a conversation, because there is only one version of the truth. And that's what I try to provide you with on this program, food for thought and facts that you can use the next time you have a discussion with your neighbor or perhaps attend a town hall meeting with a politician who alleges to represent you and your family. This is how democracy, a democratic republic, that is to say, is supposed to operate. But it starts with the facts. And that's what this program is all about. I hope that you will go and read that article that I wrote for front page, How Democrats Spawned the Border Crisis, Sacrificing National Security and the Altar of Open Borders. Read my articles over at The Social Contract and pay special attention to my article about language wars and pay special attention to my latest article about sanctuary country, immigration failures by design. I want you to be thought, I want this to be thought provoking for you. And I want you to try to help your neighbors to understand the issues and let's do it in a civilized tone. The strident screaming isn't helping anybody. It's hurting all of us. It's certainly hurting America and America's future. We're Americans. And we should all be focused not on what makes us different, but on how much we are similar. You'd be surprised. I traveled across this country, and we are far more similar than anybody could possibly imagine. And that's a strength, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. Please get involved, folks. You know, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Those aren't just words. If my program fires you up, do something about it. Speak to your neighbors, write letters or arrange for meetings with your elected representatives, hold them accountable, and get them to understand that we're not the fools that they had hoped that we are. Hope you have a great weekend, everybody. Stay warm, be well, and I look forward to seeing you again next week at the same time right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Good night.